Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Michelle from Michelle is Money Hungry. We met through the FinCon community and hang out mostly on Twitter these days. Michelle is a fun-driven and passionate online entrepreneur from Denver, Colorado. And uh, in the show notes, I put a video of Casey Neistat, the famous influencer. The video is called Do What You Can't. And I think this is one of the best videos I've seen in a while. And it fits perfectly well with Michelle's story. Michelle has been able to develop her online business through trials and errors by monetizing her own skills. And Michelle will share her inspiring story following this do-what-you-can't approach from Casey Neistat. And we will discuss how you can monetize your current skills, what are ways to do that ethically during a pandemic, and the importance of developing people skills in this digital age. Michelle will provide excellent and actionable tips all along this episode and will take us on a fun ride. This episode is for you if you're looking at developing new skills at your day job but feel trapped or blocked, and as well for you who are looking at monetizing what you already know. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Michelle. How are you doing today? I am well. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, today's a day off here, and uh, there's uh, so many of them here um, in Luxembourg in the months of May, so I'm uh, very grateful. And then... Uh, it's uh, nice to talk to you. I think we've been uh, chatting on uh, Twitter a, a lot, even been on those uh, FinCon meetups, virtual meetups. So it's great to finally speak to you one-on-one and uh, hear more about uh, your podcast and uh, the subject of today, making money from the skills you already have. Uh, I'm really excited about talking about this subject. It's something I'm very passionate about and uh, let's get into it. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, Michelle, so you are um, a podcaster. Your website and podcast is michelleismoneyhungry.com. I love it. I like the name. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can you tell us, before we jump into the subject, just where this uh, money hungry comes from? So I uh, used to work at a university for 10 years. I really enjoyed that job. I was very passionate about what I did. I worked with international students. I did primarily immigration student services. Um, I helped them, the students who attended the program that I worked with, with basically everything. So again, immigration, the student events, administrative issues, um, if they got arrested, like the, the, the job was huge. And towards the end of it, I started getting very frustrated. And and I should kind of roll back. The reason why I ended up in the job for 10 years was because of the last recession, the great recession. So Mm -hmm. ironically, the plan was I was going to quit my job in 2007. I was going to change my job and do something different. I loved working with the students. They were adults. So they were any, they were students uh, who ranged in age from 17 to 65 years old because it was an English language center. So I worked with students from all, all over the world. I've lived overseas. I've lived in Japan. I've lived in France. So I, it was something that was very um, heart-centered and heart-focused for me. But I started to 
notice things about working for other people. And some of the things I noticed were that other people could kind of sabotage your progress. They could get in front of the amount of money you could make, things you wanted to try out, stuff like that. So I started to notice that more and more. And then one day I started having this feeling that I should not quit my job. It was, I will forever trust my gut because of this. And I was just like, you know, I need to just stay in this job. Like, I'm not sure what it is, but this isn't the time. And I started looking to purchase a home. I decided to purchase a home. This was when they were throwing money at people and I bought a quirk. They were, they were like, you're a teacher and I'm going to give you $500,000 for a mortgage. You know, you know, like it was crazy. Was it uh, the Ninja Loans times? <laughs> um, yeah, like it, they were just being crazy. Okay. And I got teased because I was like, I'm going to buy a quirky property. And if anything went crazy, I could just work at Starbucks and afford the property. I don't like, I must've had a crystal ball. So I buy my property for well under what they were going to give me, like what I qualified for. Mm -hmm. And I continued to work at the university and I continued to be pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I was very blessed and and thankful for the job. But, But the issues that I observed working for other people continued. And as you can tell, I'm American. I'm from Colorado. Um, There were certain issues and concerns that I had, like flexibility, um, the ability to take time off when I wanted it to without having to like run it through other people, vacations, things like that. And I should say working at a university is one of the best places you can work as a, as an American in terms of like time flexibility and vacation time. Like I, I was able to go abroad a couple of times during my time at the, the university because I had accrued so much vacation time. So it wasn't that I was in a bad situation in terms of those things. It's just that I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I wanted what my parents had. Like I wanted to not have to run through so many bells like so many hoops and bells and whistles to even get to where I wanted to be in terms of how I wanted to run my life. And so I started getting very um, intrigued about how do I do that? How do I, how do I live on my own terms? And it was really kind of an outrageous question, I think for a lot of people, but I'd fallen into uh, the rabbit hole of personal finance. And so Mm I, you know, started cleaning up my own personal finances and just really starting started to learn how to do things differently. And that quirky property that I purchased for well under what I would have been loaned has actually been a lifesaver because I live in a wonderful, wonderful part of my city. I, it's walkable. It's, you know, by beautiful bars and parks and light rail. And because I bought that quirky property for less, I was able to explore these other interests. And I eventually ended up quitting my job, my nine to five and going on my own and really exploring how to make money online selling what I already know. Um, And I should say in the beginning, 
I just sold my skills. So I just worked for other people. So I was really self-employed at that time. Mm -hmm. And then it transitioned to being an entrepreneur. And and I'm going to say that they're both, they're very different things. Like self-employment is very different than being an entrepreneur. Uh, But they're both very, very good skills to have, especially during these crazy times as we record this show. Yeah, and Michelle, uh, yeah, that's uh, quite a story. <laughs> and um, and the thing is, yeah, what I w- why I wanted to invite you is that most of the interviews on your podcast is about people selling skills, um, monetizing skills they already have. So you just told your story briefly, but would that apply to many people around the world who are in nine to five jobs and maybe they want to either make a side income? Or just transition like you did from being employed to being self-employed? And do you have examples of skills that are from the corporate world, for example, negotiation, etc.? Even maybe uh, being good at Excel? I mean, how can people monetize those uh, those skills? Well, I would say that I would push people to do what they're what they're excited about. So Just because you're good at Excel doesn't mean that that's something you should monetize, mm-hmm. right? Um, it could be that you're really good at closing deals, but how you close a deal could be different in terms of how you sell it online. It could be that you're really good with people. Actually, soft skills are very difficult to teach. People are very awkward nowadays. I'm going to, I mean, they're really, really awkward nowadays. And the soft skills that you need to communicate with other people, those have to be taught to a lot of people now because they they are struggling. And now that we're self-quarantined, actually, I think it's going to get worse. So being able to pick up social cues and have organic conversations with people. If you're a person who's really good at that, like I'm really good at that, I could probably sell that actually. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you volunteer at your church if you're a churchgoer and what you volunteer to do is you manage uh pro- projects. Uh and so you sell how how to manage those projects, right? Maybe it's a skill that you've developed outside of work. So one of the reasons why I started working for myself. I went from working for other people to self-employment to entrepreneurship. So I'm an entrepreneur now. I'm not self-employed. But what I would say is one of the reasons why I did that, why I transitioned was because people at my job kept blocking my ability to grow professionally. And I'm going to give the example of what kept happening. I worked for an international English center and those kind kinds of businesses really rely on going to other countries to market those programs, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to go where the people are. And the thing with that is that meant international travel. <laughs> and so I kept getting roadblocked by the directors. I had to do this to me and they were like, well, we don't feel comfortable for with you you know, going overseas and, and do marketing our program. Ironically to this day, it is 2020. I stopped working there in 2015. Mm -hmm. Students still are in touch with me to this day because of the impact I made on the program. Okay. The reason why I was told this by the directors 
plural, is because my requesting this ability to go abroad and market the program would inhibit their ability to do it. Like you couldn't have two people doing this. It's quite expensive. You could only really have one one person go on these trips. So they roadblocked me because they wanted to go, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and I hate is going to hate, but honestly, I get it. I totally Mm -hmm. get it. And so what I ended up doing was creating my own uh, event and I marketed my own event and, and it became an international event. So my point is I started doing things outside of my job because they said no. And so if you are working in a nine to five, you're working for other people and you're like, there's a skill set that I've either developed or would like to, ve- to develop, do it and then sell how you did it. Mm-hmm. I really like that because I've seen that myself in the corporate world. I am still in the corporate world. And, you know, sometimes you get your um, N plus one, N plus two. It doesn't matter. Your managers. Yes. And they don't allow you to go on these trips or they don't allow you to do this and that. And sometimes it comes from jealousy, fear, or uh, because they want to go on the trips themselves, whatever it is. But it, it blocks your advancement and your careers. And your skills development, and I like what you said there, is to do it anyway. Don't, of course, uh, breach any confidentiality agreement and blah, blah with your company, but try to develop the skills on the side. So that's uh, that's a really great tip, uh, Michelle. I really like it. Yeah. Like if I, you know, if you're going to inhibit my ability to, to grow professionally, mm-hmm. that's problematic. And I'm going to leave you anyway as an employer. Yeah. Like I was already, if that great recession hadn't happened and I hadn't trusted my gut, I would have left them anyway because they were roadblocking me and they were roadblocking my money. So I, I joke with my, my name of my projects, which is Michelle's money hungry. That's the <laughs> second, like I changed the name. Um, it, it had been called something else before. And the reason why I changed it was I wanted to give myself permission to feel comfortable with wanting to to earn as much as I wanted to earn in the way that mm-hmm. I wanted to do it. So it felt very um, like kind of an aggressive way to say things, but I wanted people to have a reaction. And for some people, you you might have a negative reaction like, oh, you're being greedy. And for Americans in particular, we have a lot of weird like uh, pseudo religious things connected to to money. Um, and so it's funny where people will be like, oh, wow, your projects, Michelle, is money hungry. And I'm like, yes, it sure is. Because broke <laughs> sucks. You know, yeah. like broke sucks. Like I have the whole Puritan work ethic that we've grown up with in this country, but um, I'm not going to feel badly because I want to earn more so that I can have a better life for myself, so I can help other people, so I can donate to a charity, that kind of thing. And I learned very quickly throughout my entire career. It wasn't just that job. I just had situations over and over again where other people blocked me. And I just got to, to the point where I was like, I'm done with that. In case you cannot tell, uh, you might not be able to tell, I'm an African-American woman. And for me, that I felt like that was happening a little too often where people were roadblocking me. So I was like, screw this. I'm going to do something else. And by the way, it's 2020. We are so fortunate to have 
technology. If you're not leveraging technology and the growth of what you're doing and the growth of your income, whether it's a tool to manage your finances, whether it's a way to save money, you know, without like painlessly, whether it is to grow your skills, to sell stuff online, you are crazy. If you're under the age of 80, you need to be leveraging technology. One uh, interesting side note, there's a woman here in Denver. She's, I think she's like 76 right now. She's 76. She is actually a style icon. One of her followers is Miley Cyrus. Okay. <laughs> and um, Denver is not that fashionable. So she's like literally the most fashionable woman I've ever seen. There's two, two in Denver. Uh, one girl is like 32 and then there's this other woman. And it's funny because she's, monetized all of this. She's monetized her Instagram. She's got all these followers from all over the world. She's doing this content and she's in her seventies. So if you're listening to this show and you're like, well, I'm like 42 and I feel so old. That's bull. Mm. That's bull. It's bull. It's just your fears talking for you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, the key is to start. There's no other way. And Okay, maybe you will not be a rock star in uh, three months or in uh, six years. But, but no one But is. the key is, exactly, the, the key is to at least start small. And that's always the way it starts. Like the, the notion that tomorrow you're going to start a thing and it, you're going hit, to hit it out of the park, it's ridiculous. So like with kids, how do they w learn to walk? They fall, they fall, mm -hmm. they fall, they fall. And then one day they stand up, right? So like for me, in terms of my journey of working online, it's been a series of mistakes and trial and error mm. and tiny wins. And then those tiny wins grew and they became bigger wins. And then those bigger wins became even bigger wins. And so I, I think that one of the things to consider is it's always a journey, right? Uh, so right now I make money online and several different ways. So I make money with eBooks. I have a course, I have a membership community that I've just launched. I make money with affiliates and, uh, events. Like I said, I was like, I want to, you know, have, I want to market a thing. So I created an event and I sold it and that was thousands of dollars. That was a huge risk. And I couldn't lose money on that event, by the way, like that was not an option. So I didn't. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, so my point is, in order for me to even feel ballsy enough to do any of this, I, I, I had to experience the small wins to even get to the big ones. And anyone who thinks that you, you start winning, that's just, that's ridiculous. And, and it's, it's, it flies in the face of the journey and the journey of learning what you can do. It's, it's, it's very intense, but it's important. So for me right now, we're in a pandemic. My life hasn't really changed that much. I work for myself. I set my own schedule. I, um, you know, I still do the things that I would do already because I started years ago on this journey. And now it's really paying off because I, I know that I have money coming in for my projects and I don't have to risk myself going outside if I don't want to. It's a big, it's a big deal. Uh, Michelle, do you think, um, you know, now we are in this pandemic in Europe, it's at, at the time of the interview, it's a bit slowing down. I mean, the measures are relaxing in US. It's still a big mess. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, really, it's, it's um, the pandemic is hitting hard as we speak. Yeah. 
and uh, when we release, probably it will still be uh, yeah crazy uh, over there. So I hope it quiets down. But yeah, you never know what's going to happen. But Michel, uh, back to the point. So do you think, you know, we're talking about side hustles, developing skills, monetizing your skills. Do you think this is the right time to do this? Hell yeah, is it ethical right or is it the right time? It's always the right time. You got to eat. It's a, it's, it's a crazy question. You, you have to eat. And so I think that the question really is, how do you do this ethically versus is now right time, the right time to, mm -hmm. to learn how to, to share a skill. So here's the thing. I have a new project that I am monetizing and selling now called make money with eBooks Academy. And the idea is I'm teaching, I'm helping people publish, like, like get to the end of their publishing journey and publishing their books that maybe they've been dragging their feet on it. Maybe they're, they've been afraid, whatever. And it felt a little weird, a little bit like, well, is this the right time? Well, I had to kind of re like, I had to consider how can I help people in this time? People have been buying it. It's how you talk about what it is you're selling. What is the problem that you're solving mm -hmm. for people? So another example would be, I do not want to go to the grocery store. I've, I'm a huge fan of going to farmer's markets and things like that. That's a, kind of a throwback of living in Europe too. But I do not want to go to the grocery stores. The U.S. is going to be very problematic for the, probably the next year with the coronavirus. I'm just going to be blunt. And so I want to, to really do two things. One, I just like saving time. So even before this was going on, I was already transitioning a lot of what I was doing online. Like I was really looking to save my time. Now I want to save my life. <laughs> uh, so um, not only do I want to save time, but I want to save my life. And so I spent a lot of time looking at what are services that are in alignment with my beliefs that I can um, support that can also help me with that goal. And now there's a new uh, service that is zero waste, which is a huge, huge area of focus of mine. I'm very uh, much uh, focused on zero waste and sustainability. Now I'm going to get my my groceries delivered from this new service. It launched because of COVID. And so my point of, of mentioning the service is you can absolutely sell what you know, sell a service, sell a good during this time. It's just being aware of where, where are you meeting people in terms of what they need from you. So Today, I just, right before we got online, I ordered a mask from a local Etsy seller, mm -hmm. right? I wanted a Colorado local person who makes masks. And it's super pretty because I'm going to be wearing one for like how long? So I'm going to have I'm gonna have to mix them up and have it be fashionable. I don't want a boring black mask. So I uh, looked for a Colorado local maker. And that is a win-win for both of us. It's beautiful. She is here in Colorado. She gets money. Win, win, win. So when you're talking about selling things during chaotic times, there's a couple of things to talk about. One is America has 39 million people who are out of work. So if those 39 people start, 39 million people start selling things that they already know, because they might be delayed in getting their unemployment. They're not necessarily going to get extensions on unemployment. Our, our president has indicated that he's reluctant to do that. So 
I can't wait for other people to feed me. You can't, if you're listening to this and you're in the States and you're like, I'm, I'm scared, you need to get hustling, period, end of story. And quite honestly, right now, the way that basically this is accelerating a trend anyway, like things were going, were moving to online anyway, right? But now, now this is completely like push the trajectory forward, I think by five years. So we are now, you know, what would have taken five more years to get to the point we're at now, it happened in two months. So if you have things that you know, skills that you know you could sell online, sell them. If you're in a teacher, do you know how many kids are going to be at home because their parents are like, there is no way in hell we're sending them back to school. But those parents are still worried that their children aren't getting educated well. Maybe they don't have the time to teach them algebra. If you know algebra, get online and start tutoring kids on with algebra, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's still... I think it's like 327 million Americans. I'm using Americans as the example because I'm American. But if you were to extrapolate that to Europe, how many Europeans are there? How many languages do Europeans speak? I used to live in Paris. Most people spoke a minimum of two. So if you have skills that you know people need help with right now, get get going. Because even five hundred dollars, five hundred euros could make a difference to your bo- a month could make a difference to your bottom line. It can make a difference on a bill. It can make a difference on a mortgage. It can make a difference on your ability to eat that month. It, it's important. And um, I think sometimes people, uh, when we talk about making money online, they get these huge, grandiose ideas about well, ten thousand dollars a month. Usually, it's the small amounts that make the biggest difference because it lights up a couple of things. It lights up hope, hope that they can do more. Mm-hmm. It energizes them that they're like, wait a minute, if I could make $50, how can I make 100 It's just a very empowering experience once you get started. And, um, you know, at this point, my focus is really uh, of like passive income. Like, how can I monetize what I know passively? But in order to get to that point, I had to do a lot of stuff online face-to-face with people, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's a progression. Yeah. So sell what, you know, is my whole, like, I got like all fired up there, but sell what, you know, <laughs> that, that I like it. Emotions, you know, a bit of ranting, a bit of, uh, I got a rant, man. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Why not? And then no. And, and what you said at the end here, you know, it reminds me of a few tweets or a few messages from uh, Ramit Sethi, you know, he sells courses. He's been doing that for 10, 15 years. Oh, yeah. He's, on how to make hilarious. money, how to, you know, find a dream job, etc. And then sometimes he gets messages and he tweets about that. Like, okay, uh, will I be able to make $1 million with your course or whatever, or with your book? Uh, and then the guy says, start making $100. Yeah, like it, it was the small amounts that got me lit up because then it was like, wow, like I made a hundred bucks. Like I woke up and it came in my, you know, my account. Mm -hmm. So like every single day, I always have passive income that I'm earning every day I wake up and there's money coming in. And I understand that I can grow that income, right? The hardest part is the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So if you start something new for the listeners, if you start something new, you try to, I don't know, teach English to people in France or whatever, it will take time before you start making money. But then once the, the machine is on and you figure out a bit what works for you, then yeah, it will come. Huh? 
little yes, by little and, you improve and uh, yeah and i will say uh, for those of you who are intrigued by this idea of selling what you know online it's a process so As an online content creator, one of the things I grappled with and struggled with, and, and a lot of us do, is what's the mix that's right for me? So you'll hear about these coaches making money online, and you'll hear about um, people doing all these different things, and that isn't always the right mix for everyone. I enjoy coaching people online, and it, it can be lucrative, but it's not my favorite thing. My favorite thing is passive. I love passive income. I just love waking up. I love I love that more because then I can go hiking and I don't have to be obligated to do stuff for people. I love my courses because people purchase the course and they're good. Um, the academy is a little different because that's gonna require me to meet with the students a couple times a month. But I actually really love the academy because that's building in predictable income over time. And I actually really, really love talking to the authors in my program. So it lights me up. But I didn't want to build a business where I was facilitating a lot of things for people. And I, I had to go through a learning process of trial and error to figure out what, what was mm -hmm. good fit for me. So like for me, I love making money with eBooks. I love it. I love my academy. I love my course, uh, which is not available until August at least because so the course is on hold right now because I'm reworking it. Um, I love affiliate income. I can't get enough of it. I get, I don't pay money for clothes because I have affiliate income that covers that. I love uh, getting sponsorships for my podcast or self-sponsoring my podcast. So there's, there's ways that I really enjoy making money, but it took a while for me to figure out what lit me up. I should also mention I run two projects. So I run Michelle is Money Hungry, but I also run a project about Colorado called Square State. And I monetize that one a little differently because it's about Colorado. So it's it there's slightly different things that I can do with that. Um but but it's still the same thing. It's like affiliate income, it's sponsorships, it's events, things like that. But it took again, it took a while to figure out what would make sense for that project. Mm -hmm. And uh, Michelle, when you started dabbling into those online venues, can you share one, your biggest mistake and your biggest, your best tip then for, ev for everyone listening? I think, let's see, what's the biggest mistake? I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest mistake was... You know, I got a lot of really good advice about what to do. I think that a lot of people don't understand how they work at their best. Uh, mm -hmm. And kind of what I mean by that is everyone works differently. And when you work on for yourself, that's a, a lesson of, of, in trial trial and error. Excuse me. Sorry, sorry, I'm still waking up a little bit here. Um, so I had to really learn how I work best. So what that means is, I don't I don't work well when I'm working from home, to be honest, because I live in a small place and it can be distracting because I see things that I could be like working on or fixing or cleaning or so I learned that lesson the hard way because I was like, I'm not being productive enough. Um, so I had to start going to a coffee shop or to a co-working space so that I could just really do the work. Mm -hmm. in a setting that encouraged product productivity. You know, we're in a quarantine. What do I do? So I've been very lucky 
And that one, it hasn't been snowing that much in Denver. So I've been able to go to my local coffee shop. No, you cannot go inside. You have to order from outside, but they have a patio and we have a lot of patios. It's like a huge patio culture here. And so I've been able to sit at the patio and work like I normally would at this time of year. So that's been helpful for me because I'm able to leave my house, get fresh air and work the way that I, I normally would as it gets warmer here. Um, and that's been huge. The other mistake that I made was not understanding my workflow. So for other people, maybe they can knock out like 55 things in a day. I don't want to work like that. I didn't quit my job so that I could work like a robot. Like that's not how I work. Mm -hmm. So I just had to understand my productivity and what works best for me and how I can focus. So I had to learn how to set a lot of boundaries. So for example, I don't, if someone emails me over the weekend, I don't respond. A lot of online content creators and people who work for themselves in a, in a bricks and mortar, honestly, they're always available to people. And I will not do that. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. I am not available to you. And actually, an easy fix that I made was I set autoresponders for all of my emails. And so it's very clear to people, hey, this is what I'm up to over the weekend. Usually I'm hiking over the weekend. And I share that in my email. I'm like, I, you know, if you email me over the weekend, I'm probably hiking right now. I will get back to you during the business week, you know, uh, within 24 to 48 hours of the, your email. Mm. Do you understand how much better my life has been since just doing that one thing? Okay, because they don't expect responses, immediate responses. They know they yeah. have to wait. Yeah. Well, they understand that I'm not available to them whenever they want me to be around and that, that I have weekends, period. And that also communicated something to me, which was that that boundary was was good to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The third thing I would say is I don't do pick your brains. And initially I used to do that. And the idea is people will be like, oh, my God, I want to know how you did that thing. And what happens is, especially when you're like new to what you're doing, it ends up being really time intensive and it, it doesn't help people because they're not invested in getting a result. And so a pick my brain would be, say, for example, I'm like, Joni, how do you do a thing? And you're like, okay, I'll meet you for coffee and we'll talk about this for an hour and it ends up being two or three hours. And then like a month later, you're like, Michelle, did you do this? Like after I spent three hours talking to you and I'm like, oh God, I was so busy. No, I didn't. I hate that. <laughs> so I don't, I don't do those yeah. at all. Mm. I have content on my podcast. That's free. You can listen to it. It's like talking to me, but you know, there you go. I have content on my um, website. I'm looking to launch a YouTube. If you want free, there you go. Go there. But my time is not free. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. I agree because I talked to one person and this person says, oh, yeah, let's talk. Let's try to collaborate. I'm like, okay, well, no. where do you want to go? And then it's, it's like, yeah, I'd like to do this and that. I'm like, okay, come when you have a clear idea. And I'm, I'm open to have you on the show if you want to talk about, uh, like we are doing now, like about a specific topic, and then we move on. And other ideas, I'm open to it, but come with a clear plan at least, and then we see. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I just, I am very, very aggressive about it. And I'm known mm -hmm. for this. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't do it. And it's easier, like the, the more you set that boundary, the easier it is to communicate it. And people are like, wow, like you're serious. I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. Cause I got to make money. I don't have time for that. 
And, and because when I've done it for free, people don't do the work. They just take the time and they don't do the transformative work that you've coached them on. So I don't, I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. You got, you got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Uh, I agree with that, uh, especially as an entrepreneur or as a, yeah, you know, it, it's your, it's your activity. It's your main activity. So uh, yeah. people should respect that and understand that. And then yeah. uh, Michelle, I have a question because, okay, you're, you're, you live in Colorado, you're American. You know, when I hear you, I hear like the American attitude, what, you know, in Europe, we have this image of America. Everything is yes, you should hustle, you should work hard. Work is, um, will give you more money, more freedom. I like that approach. It works, but it's not always in, in Europe, depending on the country where you live in. You know, sometimes we look at this here and we say, yeah, but it's American. Yeah, they're crazy. And, uh, or, uh, <laughs> or, you know, it, it's different attitude. And since you've been living abroad, okay, especially in France and in Japan, as you mentioned, uh, how was your feeling? Um, did you see this kind of same attitude or did you see a, totally different uh, way to approach businesses or entrepreneurship? Well, I, I think that I should say it this way, Coloradans, um, and I'm going to make a blanket, blanket statement. Mm -hmm. We like to, we don't work to, we don't live to work. That's, that's the, you know, there's this whole idea of live to work or work to live. Yeah. Right. We don't live to work. Like we, we're very, culturally as Coloradans, like I can't say for all of the US, but I, I can very comfortably say Coloradans are very protective of their time and the way they want to live. And we want to enjoy the outdoors and we want to go to sporting events and we want to enjoy our patio life. So, so I'm fortunate in that the way that I'm structuring my business is very much something that people understand here in my state. Mm -hmm. For Europeans, I think that how they create their business, it should be in the vision of how they should live their life. So yes, I'm going to hustle and hustle culture is obviously very much a thing here. But in this episode, in this interview, I've talked about how I like passive income because I don't want to be obligated to do things like, you know, show up when I don't feel like showing up. Mm -hmm. So I put in work and a way that allows me to have this interview or to sit on the patio and have a wine, you know, like, like I don't want to be living just a hustle. Like what's the point to that? That's painful. Uh, so I, I very much think it's possible for Europeans to grow what they want to grow and, and create a life that they want to create. But it would be disingenuous to say that it's going to be easy or that it's going to be quick or that it won't be hard work. It just means that as you're building what you're building, you have to have a vision of the end result. So I am midway, like I am living the way that I want to, which is I can wake up naturally and do what I feel like doing. I dictate what tasks I focus on. I have money coming in every day because I'm earning money online. And I, if I wanted to go skiing today or snowboarding, if, if the ski resorts open up for, you know, spring skiing, crossing our fingers, I could go snowboarding today. Like I'm in charge of how my week flows. Mm -hmm. And when you're building up your business, you need to have a vision for how you want that to be. But it's taken a while for me to figure out 
the workflow in order to get the results. That's the tricky part. So I had the vision, like I knew like how I wanted to live my life, but you're going to have to put work in before it's a a done deal. If you know what I mean. Okay. Very good. Very good. And then uh, maybe one last thing is that you mentioned um, something I am passionate about. It's people skills. And you said, yeah, I have, um, I have good people skills and it's hard to teach or hard to, hard to, to pass on to other people. So I don't know what's your experience in this. And it's true that people skills to me, it's very difficult. Uh, I mean, I'm not teaching people skills. I think I'm doing all right with those, but I see difficulties with other people. I see that some people at work and I've seen that, I mean, I have a career of, uh, what, 14 years now, almost no matter what training they take or uh, this and that, or books they read, they still suck at basic people skills. I don't know what's your take on this or can, can this be taught at all or uh, what do they need to go through? I think there are some things that are innate and some things that can be taught. Mm -hmm. So in my view, I do think that as much as I embrace technology and I'm a Gen Xer, so that is something. So I've had my foot both in the analog and digital world my whole life. Or like, so I had a computer in fifth grade you know, obviously kids born now are, you know, you have your cell phones. So what I've noticed as time has gone on is that the soft skills with people are, are degrading because of technology. Mm -hmm. And I think that for people with children, you have to decide that you're going to uh, work with your kids to be able to, to deal with other people. Like that has to actually be a priority, you know? So I'm an only child. And we lived in Japan when I was a little kid. Uh, But with parents of only children, you have to like you have to uh, make sure they don't get weird (laughs) because they're only children. So you have to get them around other little kids. It's like a thing. And so even now with technology, you have to make a point to be around other people so you can develop soft skills like listening like active being able to active listen that plays out in your relationships when you're dating or when you're working with people or what have you, like really being able to hear what people are saying, what's upsetting them, what, what excites them, what, what presence they want. Like just the active listening alone, I think is a huge skill that people should be working on. Um, intuition actually is a huge one. Like really, understanding when you're around people, who's a good person, who's a bad person for you. Mm -hmm. So, um, I am very good at figuring out who I should not be around or who, who's a scary person, right? Like listening Mm -hmm. to myself because I'm getting a vibe off of other people, just being able to have conversations. I'm a person who I've never met a stranger. Clearly I'm an extrovert, but, um, there are a lot of awkward extroverts, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there are a lot of awkward extroverts, right? Just like there are a lot of awkward introverts. So just the ability to to make conversation with people that you know, um, like little things like that, people are, are really struggling with it. And I notice it because it's gotten very bad. 
Um, and I find it to be like, it's been a few years since I've been in Europe, but in the US, for me, it's become very problem problematic. Like people, people need to really work on those skills. And those are the skills that employers actually value and look at. And those could be the things that if you're struggling with them, that could keep you from getting a promotion because you need soft skills to manage other people. I used to manage, this is another thing that I did at my job. I used to manage other people. I used to manage student assistants and I used to train uh, uh, the administrative assistants. So I had this huge job that was uh, relying on me to communicate a lot of things to people who spoke 20 plus different languages. And they were at multiple levels of uh, English language learning, like they were either at zero English or at, you know, expert level English. So if I am dealing with people from Venezuela and Japan and Angola and, you know, Seoul, Korea and the United Arab Emirates, and I had to communicate to all these people all the time about multiple things like immigration yeah. and going to paintball and how to take, how to take the light rail. And like, that takes a lot of skill, right? That's a lot of work. So I'm asking you to just do it with people who speak your language. Okay. Like it has to be a priority and people struggle with it. Yesterday I did an interview, actually a podcast interview for my other show. And the guest was problematic <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was their soft skills. They were really bad at listening. They were mm -hmm. bad at reading the emails the emails, actually, I, I'm giving them a pass on because right now we're all freaking distracted, myself included. But when we got on the show, I was like, this person's, if I were a person who punched people in the nose, I would punch this person in the nose because they're not paying attention. And it was a soft skill situation where like, if they understood how to actively listen, we would have a better connection and a better conversation. Yeah. And I was just going to say, well, um, I've been podcasting since... Um yeah, last year, last, last summer, let's say. And, you know, I think that with each, each interview, I, I make it a practice to shut off the phone and just really to focus on the guest. I mean, to me, I have no other choice because that's what I need to do. We, we need to, to, be, to be able to talk and listen to each other undistracted. And that's right. something I've noticed in the recent conversations that, well, actually, I had a great conversation with Michelle, with, with some other guests. It's great. And actually, in, in the daily life, in your daily activities, how many times do you have like one hour or 40 minutes talking to a person really only focusing on the conversation? Mm, it's not, exactly. it doesn't happen that, that, that much anymore these days. Exactly. And for me, one of the things that is a priority is having time to do that. Mm -hmm. So my priority is to like what drives me to do what I do online is because I want to have the time to have conversations without distraction. I want to have the time to go hiking with my friends. And when I go hiking with my friends, like sometimes we're going like the last really big hike that I did before winter, we met at 6am. So I left my house at four, drove, drove into the mountains, got there at six, we hiked until four. So it was like a huge day. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, obviously we talked the whole time. And then there were times when we were quiet and in our thoughts. And to this day, like one of the best hiking experiences ever. But my point is, I everything I do is so that I can 
really deepen my connections with other people and foster that that interaction because it's so it's so important. It's so important and we're really losing it. And I say this as a person who loves technology and I love how I save time and I love that I'm buying stuff online and I love like I love all of that, but I love it so I can facilitate these other things that are much more important to me, which mm -hmm. is time with people. Yeah, I think there's something, it's a long time I have uh, I have read it, but there's something in the seven habits of Covey. It's something about communicating slowly will actually mm. give faster results or something like this. Sorry to butcher it, but it's something like this. So take <laughs> the time, but it, it the, the principle is take the time to communicate. Actually, it will make things go faster. I, I believe that because yeah, I believe I'm... That too. I'm yeah. And I'm right now we're having this conversation and I'm in the moment and we both have accents to one another. So we have to really actively listen to one another. And it's important for me to to communicate what I'm trying to communicate. So sometimes I might stutter or like kind of pause because I'm really trying to think of how can I share what I'm trying to share in a way that translates both well uh, for native English speakers, as well as for uh, listeners who speak English as a second language. Like it's important to me mm -hmm. to think about those things. And I wonder if people are even introspective enough nowadays to, to make that happen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if that people are, but right now we're in a moment in time where you, you're spending a lot of time with your thoughts, right? Mm hmm I'm self-quarantined at home <laughs> by myself, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's interesting because I spend a lot of time kind of thinking, thinking about things. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think this, these are some of the things to think about, like, how do I communicate? How do I, how, how do I share, share what I want to share? How do I show that I care for other people? How do I help other people so, so that they can win? How, how can I help people who right now are really freaking terrified because this is a scary moment. Um, and it is very clear that what is happening in the U S is going to be, you know, each, each country is unique, but we we've, we've got some challenges uh, with, you know, 30 plus million people unemployed. This is a very intense moment for us in my country. And so I think it's, it's important for me to, really be present in the conversations and, and the, the moments that I'm sharing with other people. It, it, I can't drop the ball now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, very good, uh, Michelle. Thank you for sharing your thoughts, your um, excellent tips on how to get started with selling your skills that you already have, monetizing the skills you already have. I really appreciate it, uh, your energy, your emotions. <laughs> I think it was a great <laughs> conversation. So thank you. And um, yeah, before we head off, we always have our uh, three quick fire questions at the end of the show. So, um, Michelle, question number one, what is the best investment uh, you have ever made? Um, I would say my education. I Anything related to education. So mm -hmm. anything that helps me to improve what I'm doing is always a good investment. Obviously, I paid too much for college, like most Americans, but um, I still am very thankful for my education. Um, and I definitely do use it. I are, you know, interestingly enough. Um, but yeah, I way overpaid for certain parts of my education. But anything that I do 
to expand my skills, to learn a new language. I've learned both Spanish and French. Do not speak to me in French right now because <laughs> I haven't spoken in a while. Um, it's always been worth the money. Always. Donc, la, la question numéro 2, donc... Euh... Oh, that's ruthless. Don't even. <laughs> okay. No, no worries, I'll stop. But yeah, if you say I speak French. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, Michel, what's uh, question number 2? What, um, what is a book you can recommend to anyone? And it does not need to be a financial book. I am book obsessed. There's a reason why I have a course and an academy called Make Money with Ebooks, okay? Like, so I love books And this is a very difficult question for me because I love all kinds of books. Mm -hmm. The book that I think, it depends on the genre. Like, so I love the entire Harry Potter uh, series. I love Paulo Coelho. I love, like, there's just so many books. I was thinking of a book that was written by a freed woman, which is a, an African who was freed. Um, or who was free named Phyllis Whitley. And it's, it's a very, you know what I'm going to type because I have my laptop here. Uh, that book is actually one of my favorite books. I want to re reread it actually. Mm -hmm. And she was a freed woman in America. Um, and she wrote a book of poetry and I remember reading this book and she was, you know, alive in the 1700s. So she was born in 1753, died in 1784. And I always remember that book. Um, I got, I was gifted a book um, my senior year for high school graduation from my high school English teacher. So we had advanced level English and she gave me a book uh, uh, called Sacagawea about Sacagawea who was the Indian um, woman who went with Lewis and Clark, who helped them discover the Western United States. I, actually, I love that book. I might have to reread re re that book. <laughs> it's, it's like a thousand page book, by the way. It's a huge book. Wow. And, it, and it's a fiction book, but it was an amazing, amazing, amazing read. So there, there are a number of pieces of literature out there that I love, uh, the autobiography of Mal Malcolm X, like, but, but they resonate with different points yeah. in my mm -hmm. life, you know? And so that, that's a very difficult question to answer. Yeah. Yeah. I see too many choices, I want too many books. books, man. <laughs> yes. There's not like, I'm one of those people They're they're the other reason why I like passive income. I get more time to read. I read it every day. <laughs> oh, that's uh, great. And, and, yeah. yeah. Like I could read a regular, like nonfiction or romance. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay, excellent. And then, um, Michelle, last question, uh, last quick fire question. What is the best purchase you've made for under a hundred dollars? That was a hard one. I think it depends on the moment in time. I would say for right now, my daily coffee excursions. You know, there's always this conversation about, especially in the U.S., like, oh, you know, the latte factor. By the way, I love David Bach. I've met him in person at FinCon. He's an amazing, amazing guy. The latte factor, in his own words, is specifically a metaphor on spending. So it's a metaphor for the little, little leaks in your budget. It's not anti-latte. So um, I love going for a nice latte and sitting on my patio. I've been doing it every day when the weather's been good and the weather's been weirdly really nice for the last, you know, month or so. Um, and just 
chit-chatting with the other people on the patio and having conversations about life and, you know, the coronavirus and politics and money. And just, it's just been wonderful and petting puppies because I'm out there on the patio. Um, when we, when we get off this call, I'm going to go to my quote unquote coffee bar (laughs) (laughs) and I'm going to get on a zoom meeting at 12 o'clock and I'm going to have a glass of wine or a mimosa and I'm going to enjoy every second of it because you know what? Life is short. Okay. And I'm going to enjoy that mimosa. I'm going to get lit and enjoy it. And (laughs) that's going to be a wonderful $12 that I spend because alcohol is expensive here. Um, and that's fine. That's fine. And I, by the way, I do have champagne in my refrigerator right now, so I could crack that open, but I don't feel like it. I want to go outside and get some fresh air and, and it's, it's worth the money. It's totally fine. Great. Great. I like those little pleasures as well, you know, a coffee or just a glass of wine and enjoying it. Yes. So it costs, it doesn't cost that much in, in the grand scheme of things. It's just a small pleasures. And um, Michelle, now, um, where can people, how can people connect with you? How can, where can they find you actually? So please do uh, check out my website, Michelle is Money Hungry. It also has the link to the podcast, Michelle is Money Hungry, which is on Stitcher, Apple podcast, iTunes. Um, You can also follow me on Instagram at Michelle is Money Hungry on Twitter, which I'm pretty active on as well at Mitch loves money. I'll share the links with John, um, but you know, before the show notes go live. Um, and if you are looking to start your first ebook, definitely check out my academy, michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash academy. And then for those of you who are like, well, wow, like now is the time to start my first, you know, podcast or to write my first book or blog or whatever it is. I have a toolkit that I've created called do it ugly and it walks you through how to do it for free or for super super cheap and you can text the phrase money hungry to 66866 if you're here in the United States you text uh, money hungry to 66866 if you're overseas you can just you can go to the following link which is michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash do it ugly and you can get access to it there Okay, excellent. I'll link uh, everything up in the show notes anyway, so people can find all the data and then they can uh, get connected with Michelle and hear her funny stories, hear her (laughs) great episodes on how to develop, uh, monetize their skills as well. So that's great. So Michelle, uh, once again, thanks for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Sorry if I slurred my words a little bit. Uh, I feel like I need that coffee before I get the mimosa. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still waking up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun to talk to Michelle and have this undistracted conversation. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it as well. And before we close, here are the key takeaways for today. Number one, whatever skill you want to develop, do what you can do, like in Casey Neistat's video. Do it anyways, whether at your day job or outside of your day job. Don't let others block your progress. That's the message. Number two, on monetizing skills. Do what you're excited about, not necessarily what you're good at. Next, develop a skill set and then sell how you did it, how you acquired that skill set. And then, yeah, leverage technology. According to Michel, there's no excuse if you're below 80. So no excuses, amigos. Number three, selling skills ethically during a pandemic. Well, as Michelle said, 
you gotta eat. So yeah, you gotta make money, you gotta survive. A good way to do that in a pandemic or in a crisis in general is to help people with their needs. So help them saving time with grocery shopping, make custom-made um, masks, for example. I mean, there are services and products which people need, which people want in these times as well. So this is a way to try to make money ethically. And keep in mind that making even a small amount every month can make a significant difference in your budget. Making this extra income will light you up and empower you. Number four, developing your business. A, set boundaries with autoresponders on emails, for example. This trick can also be used in a corporate world while well, you don't put a permanent autoresponder, but for example, you don't need to answer every email from your boss within five minutes. If you do that, you will build the expectation that you are a fast responder, and this is not necessarily efficient for you because then you will spend your time on emails instead of uh, doing actual work. Next point, experience and find out how you work at your best, whether it's at home or in a coffee shop like Michelle, or actually in a coffee bar because they serve tequila there. Uh, this made for some funny tweets by Michelle, so that's why uh, I'm saying this. Anyway, next, create a vision for your business that aligns with how you want to live your life. And then the last point of today, this is a topic I'm passionate about. It is people skills and communication. And as Michelle mentioned, well, active listening and developing intuition are major soft skills that employers will value these days. And then the last thing, if you have kids, well, have them play around and interact with other kids. You want to make sure they do not become a future weirdos, you know? <laughs> so that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at Johnny Talks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.